Hey gang, Sam here. Well, last week you heard us talk about the effective greet in the service department. We got very granular on the how-to. And in this episode of Garage Cast, this is part two of two of what your customers truly desire from the service department. We're gonna jump right back in with proactive communication and a quick turn back to the customer. Enjoy this episode of GarageCast. We're going to do our best to get new thinking out there. There's going to be discussions centered around growth and new thinking. That's where those great ideas come from, exploring them together. Nuggets that you can go back and put into your dealership that'll help you make more money. This is GarageCast. Welcome to GarageCast. Hey, gang. Last week, Sam and I talked about what service customers desire most, and it took us, gosh, I don't know what, 41 minutes, 42 minutes to get through just the greet portion, right? Just the greet. Most important step of the whole process. Tell you what, Tony, I got some feedback on that one about we at GC talk about bettering the experience in service, and we do it frequently. And we talk about having a sales department in the service, but, but we've, I don't think we've ever gotten that granular on a public level with how to begin that. Like, what's the how-to behind it? And so we got a lot of positive feedback on that greet. We're going to keep rolling with this thing. Yeah, I love it. So um, last week, we talked about the greet. And I, and, and I said that we we came up with, in our twenty spring round of 20 clubs, you know, three things that a customer desires most. And I asked all the dealers. And number one was, you know, a really nice, effective greet when they walk in. Number two was proactive communication. And number three was to get a quick turn on the unit so I can get the unit back in my hands quickly. So we're going to start right off with proactive communication. So Sam, we kind of ended last week on you know communicating with a customer, but traditionally, we still live in a realm of thinking that picking up and dialing a phone is the manner in which we want to go about communication. And listen, it may be there are people out there that most certainly want that kind of communication. But there's also people that might tell you, I don't want any communication. Just text me when it's done. Just email me when it's done. And so what we need to do is demand from your service staff that they identify the best method of communication for the customer, not the shop. Meaning... Just because it's good that you, Sam, my my only service writer is a phone guy, that may not work for me, the customer. So I don't want to communicate the way you do. You need to communicate the way I want to. And this, Tony, this really goes back to 2020 when you and I, our whole team, we put the full court press into uh, the digital sales process because we know all the data is saying that the customers want to go through the majority of that buying experience online. And if you, the dealer, continue to say, book an appointment, come on in, when can we get you in? That can happen in the process and should happen in the process, but allowing the customer to drive, if you will, how that sale looks, same thing. In service, allow them to drive how they wish to be communicated with and they'll have a better experience in service. Yeah, hit that number two, dude. Yeah, so um, texting being the preferred method of communication in the modern world. uh, Whenever I ask a room full of salespeople or dealership people, how in your regular life do you like to be communicated with? It is always text. It's always text. Uh, email takes a backseat to that and phone calls is a distant third, which is, it's interesting and it's sad, right? It's, it's, it's a statement on society that we, we don't want to risk the confrontation without a pre-programmed set of, you know, a script, if you will, which, you know, I hate the scripts. I feel like they're disingenuine. But for quick information, boy, 
everybody is playing in the text realm. Uh, I remember the day that we got from Connect saying that 95% of people would prefer a text as opposed to any other means of communication. And those were customer-based surveys that they put out. So Connect, a popular texting app, would support that with all of their data. And quick search on the internet would support that as well. So the majority of people want to be communicated with via text. I know service writers love the call and they want to hear the customer's voice, but the text can set up the call. I'm not necessarily saying text instead of call, but text to allow for the call if the customer wants it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I go back to, I've told this story a couple of times on these podcasts is when you and I were doing a combined state of the industry with 320 clubs in one room and you know, you and I were up there talking and, and as you're given a presentation, part of that SOI, I just went to connect and I texted the the three groups that were in the room and to a T every single one of them looked at their phone or looked at their watch. <laughs> every single one of them looked at it. Right. And so there, and, and all I said was hi. Right. And so they're looking at it. And at the end of that, I said, okay, how many people got my message? The whole room raised their hand. And I said, how many? That's because Neil was talking and they were looking <laughs> for an escape from Neil's banter. <laughs> and I said, how many of you would have taken the phone call from me right now sitting in this room and not one hand went up? And so, so that's the power of texting is that we're going to take that at the most inappropriate times in life. We're checking our phones at church. We're checking, I mean, we're checking them as we're getting deposed on the stand. I mean, <laughs> people are doing this stuff. It's just ridiculous, right? Well, and the text is such a convenient way to set up the next step. And a lot of times, Tony, the video via text is the next step. So tell us yeah. a little bit about video. So... I, I did a little research on this and, and I went to several different spots. If, if you guys want to um, you know, test the veracity of my statements here, I have proof that I found these uh, with good backing and data. So videos are the most consumed media on earth. Hard stop, period. That, that's what we consume most. It's not TV. It's, it's not the newspaper, magazine. It's videos. It's educating us. Okay. So listen to this, dude. Some of the stats I got. More than 2 billion people use YouTube. That's one third of all internet users. So, I mean, around the world, that that's a staggering number two search engine in the world is YouTube, right? Well, behind I think Google. I'd be interested to see the split between how many people use it as a tool. Like I need a video to figure out how to pull the catalytic converter out of my car, a how-to video versus people who are watching it like a channel. I, what are you doing? I'm just watching YouTube tonight. What the hell does that even mean? Oh, <laughs> dude. To, I know you know. <laughs> it's the, it, I'm telling you, once you start doing it, you will be you'll be it's over because oh. you can you can literally you can literally watch a video about anything. I got hooked in that loop after Top Gun a few weeks back, man. I started watching about the making of and yeah. how actual fighter pilots feel about the making of and all that kind of stuff. So it's easy to do. It's awesome, man. And it, it, it goes back to whether you whether you like it or dislike it. It goes back to what I said last week about my friend, Doug Curbs, which is a curated customer service can only be achieved when you know everything about the client. Well, hello, YouTube, Google, Facebook. <laughs> you want to talk about a curated experience. Everything that comes up knows that, you know, obviously I'm into jujitsu or it's about side by sides or it's, I mean, it just knows what to put in front of me. So that's crazy. You were mentioning your guy, Doug, last week. You called him Dougie Fresh. And that, Dougie made, Fresh. Me, that made me think of Doug Rugg. Doug yeah, Rugg and his sports cars, right? Dougie Fresh. Uh, yes. Hey, hit, hit, hit us with that second bullet point. This is the one that really grabbed my attention. Yeah, this blows my mind. More video content gets uploaded in 30 days from the internet than what the major U.S. television networks have broadcast in 30 years. Mind blown. Think about that. In 30 days... 
we are pulling more stuff from Netflix, HBO Max, YouTube, Facebook. I mean, that's all we do is just watch videos. So you know what I hear from that, Tony? Huh. I, I hear people wanting escape. That's what they want. Right. And a lot of people are getting it in, if you could compare it to food, the junk food industry of little snippets on the internet and keeping you entertained or whatever. And what we offer in the power sports and the marine industry is the real deal. We offer the real escape as opposed to the video escape. But how many people are addicted to just an escape in this world? And you have the solution for that. Love it. Yeah. Um, video is the number one source of information for 66% of people on earth. Think about that. Would, that. that would be Two all the thirds. information they glean about the world coming <laughs> Two from Two thirds of the population of the world, uh, they source it through video. And to the point, I, like I said, I, I think I already told the story about pulling the top off my wife's Jeep. You know, I couldn't understand the instructions that came with the Jeep. So, yeah, I went to YouTube and I sourced about 25 videos on how to pull it off. It was, it was the greatest <laughs> thing ever, right? So, what's the next one? Well, I just remember being a kid and my dad told me, look it up in the encyclopedia. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Okay, I'll get on that, dad. Well, 500 million people watching Facebook videos daily. 500 million watching your Facebook videos daily, right? Crazy. It's, just, it's, it's an addiction. It's an absolute addiction. And then last, more than, this is another incredible one for me, more than 75% of all videos, video views come from mobile devices. So we, we, we talk about, find out how your customer wants to be communicated to. They're obviously going to have all of those methods in their little shuttle computer that they keep in their back pocket, right? Their cell phone. But what the hell is the point of us talking about videos is you guys need to get into the modern world and start thinking about shooting some videos. And these are not professionally produced scripted videos. This is literally just turning on your phone and saying, hey, Sam, Tony from ABC Motorsports, just want to let you know your bike is now on the lift for uh, Bob. Bob has your bike up right now, and he's looking to do this. And I just wanted to make sure I kept you updated. That's all we're asking. Send the video. Yeah, we've talked in the, on this podcast before about having your service or service technicians doing a scavenger hunt, actually looking for Easter eggs as they go through the boat, as they go through the, the razor or whatever with the video on. And we found this and let me show you this thing over here. And it's very, very informal to your point, Tony. Just a quick video of the things that we found. Um, there's a good company out there called See It Now, the letter C, the word it, I-T, and the word now, See It Now. That's a great texting platform for videos. But to your point earlier, Tony, not the tech is not necessarily the person who needs to be sending those. What do we do once the tech has shot that video of the things that we could do to the major unit? So, so when the bike goes on to the and, and listen, gang, I, I don't want everybody freaking out out there. These are these are these are concepts that are up and comers. And I promise in five years, you will all be doing this because auto, which is who we love. It's our big brother. We like to follow them. We're gonna, they're already doing this. Okay. So while the unit is up on the lift, just have your technician create a 30 second spot and show the customer the issue or show the customer something that they found. Hey, just wanted to let you know, this is what, you know, you, you had that leak on your primary. We pulled this off. Here's what's going on. Just want to let you know, we're going to get a new one put on there, get it all buttoned up. Boom. That's it. Take that and send it to the customer. That is next level thinking, Sam. I don't expect this to go on like starting this month. But I'm telling you, man, if you really want to become professional in fixed operations, you guys need to get into the realm of texting and videos. Would you agree? I would totally agree with that. But but I guess what I was alluding to is, you know, I don't necessarily want the service writer 
text or the service technician texting back and forth with your customer. No. I, I, want, I want the video sent, which is why I, we support having the service writer sending it or the coordinator yes. um, or the expediter doing the sending of that video. Yes. 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 Sorry about that. Yeah, exactly. We don't want the technicians. Not because and not because I don't want people to I don't want to busy the technician. And people are going to say, well, hold on, Tony, you just told me to have my technician and you're going to talk about proficiency and efficiency next. You just told me to have the technician step away from a motorcycle for 30 seconds to shoot a video that's wasted it's not wasting time it's being no. professional so yeah well, as opposed to the one-on-one conversation that he normally would be having with the service writer about tell him he needs x y and z and the service writer what are exactly. you talking about we'll come back and let me show you on there's way less time to shoot a video of 30 seconds of what the bike needs and give it to the service writer to shoot out to the customer so he can get back to spinning a wrench exactly so so that that goes to our next point which is have a technician shoot a quick video or have the service writer go back. That can be a service writer. You can call them an expo, a liaison, a concierge. I don't care what you call them, but you got to have somebody there that may be the intermediary or if you have enough staffing and you have a process, that could be your service writer doing it. But send those videos to the customer versus just a plain text or worst of all, Sam, Yeah, no communication whatsoever. Zero. Yep. And what we're trying to do here, gang, is not only better the experience, but drive up the the line items on that RO. Um, everything we do at Garage Composite is designed to drive up profitability while same, simultaneously driving up the customer experience. Never forget that second part as well. Tony, I'm looking at national norms right now, and I've, I've got through April in here. I just didn't have uh, May data in front of me, but here's through April. P&A per RO in the metric industry, national norm, 209 bucks. Come on, man. 209 PA per repair order. And if I go to the Harley space, now we're up to uh, 346. I go to the Marine space and it's at, where am I? 381. So sub 400 on every one of these things, mm-hmm. which there's, there's headroom there. There's so much headroom there. And you do one of these videos and you get one or two more line items on there. And then you get the labor that goes with that as well. Massive headroom while increasing the customer experience. Yep. And remember, we're always looking to try and upsell and add on in the service department. So, you know, we teach at Garage Composites the concept of the YMCA, which Max uh, is teaching in the service academies right now. Um, you have to do something more than, hey, listen, while it's up on the lift, just curious to know, maybe you'd like a stage three kit. That doesn't work. <laughs> You haven't, you have not built enough value into the relationship. If that's how you're going to ask, you have to come back to that greet and all the things that you gleaned while you were talking to the customer. And then you have to hit them back with that. Now, remember, gang, that's a whole different episode. I I could literally go into YMCA. We could talk about having the technicians find three things while it's up on the lift. All that is still in play here. But remember, we're just, what is it? that service customers desire most. So it's it's outward facing. Okay. So what's next? Well, Go. Well, I tell you what, Tony, what what would be really cool is to get one of those little videos from the GM. Just like, hey dude, I know you had your vehicle here. I know the expenses were a little bit more than we thought because we found a couple things and just really wanted to pr- tell you we appreciate the business. And if you ever need anything, you can reach out directly to me. In the same breath, I'm going to tell you as I look at the national average for the power sport industry through four months out of the year, um, 980 repair orders. There's no way the GM is going to do 980 of these little videos. But maybe in the select cases where the expense was a little higher than the customer thought or they're spending a considerable dollar amount or maybe just pull them at random. Maybe you do three every single day. Three quick 20-second, 15-second videos every day just thanking your customer base. As the consumer, that would mean a lot to me. 
Yeah, and listen, you could have the service manager do it. You could have the GM do it. You could have the owner do it, meaning you could split it up, Sam. You could have a, a personal assistant. And and this is not a long, drawn-out video. Hey, Sam, just wanted this is Tony over here at uh, Tony's Motorsports. I just really wanted to thank you for bringing your unit in. It's a gorgeous unit. I hope you have a great summer riding it. Feel free to stop in and uh, come look me up or, or call me. I'd love to talk to you. Thank you so much for your business. That's it. If you shoot three or four of those a day, that's not a big deal. Now, a lot of you are saying, seriously, this is malarkey. No, it's really not. It's customer service. And this is what I expect when fixed operations gets in the game like sales that we preach all the time. Yeah. I, I think as humans, Tony, and in business, we've gotten to a point where we're trying to be so efficient. And I really thought about this because a lot of people know, who know me know that I listen to books at 2x speed. I'll just crush audiobooks. But my retention is probably garbage as a result. And I've purposely tried to slow down not only books, but my engagements with people and thinking about things a little bit deeper. I think we get to a point where we're trying to be so efficient that we think anything that takes us out of efficiency is a bad thing. Kind of like making these quick little videos for your customer. It's not. It's driving future sales. It's putting a fence around your herd. It's keeping your customer base and keeping them spending more at your store. So yeah, it's not malarkey. It's a big one. What do you got? Like my, like my buddy, Dougie Fresh. Dougie Fresh, a, right. a curated customer experience comes from knowing everything about them. So, okay. The next one, you guys are going to think this is total BS as well. But yes, you want to talk about a good customer service experience in your service or parts department, specifically in your service, never let the sun set on a customer. You know, never go to bed angry, Sam. That isn't kind that of thing. George, that's a George Michael song, isn't it? it never let could the sun be. set. I don't know. You listen to George Michael's, not me. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, never let the sun set on a customer. If I have had Sam's bike for five days and there's no communication, guess what Sam is doing? Sam's getting pissed off or Sam is getting ready to call you on day six with both barrels loaded. And he's going to tell you how stupid you are and how bad you suck because I, you haven't called me. What is going on? You said you'd have it back three days ago. All I'm saying is if you're going to use a text, don't let the sunset on a customer. If you have Sam's bike, Text him after day one, text him after day two, day three, day four, let him know. Sam, just want to let you know we're waiting on the part. Sam, want to let you know it's out for delivery with FedEx. We should be getting it today, man. We're going to try and get it on this afternoon. Sam, want to let you know we didn't get it on last night, but we got it on this one. That is proactive communication. Well, it's, I, I've always said get in front of it, right? Just get in front of that. And we, we worry about a problem. And so we push it to the back. Like, I don't want to call that client. I don't want to whatever. Oh, it's a problem. If you just call them, make that the first call of the day. Right. If you got some problems with something that's in your service bait, make those calls first. It's when you wait on them 24, 48, 72 hours, then the customer is getting pissed off. So just get in front of it, make the call first. It's never as bad as you think it's going to be, as opposed to you just pushing it off into the distance. Remember, we got a lot of jaded people that listen to this podcast, Sam. And you know what they're saying right <laughs> now? Seriously, dude, if you text me every day, this and that, and the, again, I told you, set the expectation with your customer before they leave the drive. If your customer says, I don't really want to be communicated with until I have to come pick it up. Well, you have your mandate. I would still suggest after three or four days to throw out a quick little text. Hey, I know, I, I know you're a busy guy, Sam. I just want to update you and let you know we're still waiting on that part. That's it. Uh, yeah, Tony, the- I, I go back to what you mentioned in that in the podcast last week about the service department having a traffic log mm-hmm. that that you could couple that with that line that if it ain't written, it ain't real. Right. Let's get it on paper. Let's remember who we're talking to. Let's document this so that we have, you know, we have a file, if you will, moving forward. This is important stuff, even though a lot of people don't want to take the time to do it. Lastly, 
this one worries me from a perspective of an owner, but it terrifies me from the perspective of a customer. And that is warranty, Mm. warranty work. And, and and a lot of dealers are going, what, what warranty work, right? So we have some dealers that are crushing it when it comes to warranty work. And the common theme I get, Sam is, well, yeah, we have a, a warranty clerk, or we have a place that the service writer has to check off that they're checking the warranty every single time a unit comes in. And then other dealers are like, I don't know why we don't have more warranty work. The fact of the matter is, is a couple things. Warranty work from a customer's standpoint. When I, when I take my unit in to get an oil change or get new brakes put on it, Sam, and they say, hey, listen, we're, we have to completely replace your clutch. That's a win for me. That's like, oh, I get free stuff on my unit that's going to that's gonna make it new again, right? So warranty yep. work from a customer standpoint is like, great. Sweet. So you, you saved my life because, because the brakes don't work on the unit. We had to replace <laughs> them. But to me, I just got a brand new brake system. So that's real. It's like a win, right? Totally Conversely, agree. dude, from the dealer standpoint, do you know how much of your ass you're hanging out <laughs> If you bring a unit in for service and you don't do a VIN check on it. Yeah. Well, well fl- flip that around as the service department. It's a win for you too to do the work. Yes. It's already on the lift. Let's get the work done. Let's get paid. Yep. And it's a huge loss or huge risk, if you will, if you don't do the work and that unit goes out without it being done. So that's another thing that you can communicate to the customer. Uh, not only the three things that the technician found, not only the offer for a trade-in on the service from the service drive, not only a good service rider doing a YMCA to try and add on an upsell, but communicate, hey, Sam, I just want to let you know, going to take probably a day longer to get your unit back to you because we have a blank that is under warranty. We got to get that replaced. We're going to completely replace your whatever. Right. Knock it okay. out. Love it. So, Love it. So that's communication. Yep. So again, gang, you may be thinking to yourself, you guys are, you're skipping all kinds of parts of this service process of, you know, this, that, listen, we told you, it's just the three things that customers desire most, a great greet, effective communication, which is proactive in nature. And then the last, yeah, then the last one is a quick turn on the unit. But before we get to that, hit me with something. Yeah, I just... Of course, you're thinking that people listening because you're thinking of the internal mechanics of the department. Yep. This is what the whole title of this thing is what service c- customers want most, desire most. We see the duck going across the water. I don't give a damn about how fast your little feet are spinning underneath it. I want to see the duck going across the water. So, of course, there are mechanics that we're missing. We want to create the experience for the customer. And these are three things that typically get missed, which is why we're holding on to it. This last yeah. one, Tony. Um, a, a quick turn on their unit. Let me get just, just get in front of this by saying that implies that you have the tools necessary to do a quick turn. And one of those yes. tools being the piece from the OEM, right? You have to have the part in stock. You have to have that thing available to do it. So if you don't have the thing because of the supply chain issue that we're in, then I'm going to default right back to proactive communication. That is the first phone call that we make. We thought we had an inventory. We don't have an inventory. It's four days out, and we're going to have a conversation about what to do with it. So I think moving forward with this bullet point, let's start from the premise that we do have the things in stock, which is why we wrote the RO, because we started with looking to make sure that we had the piece in inventory before we wrote the RO. But if you don't have it, go back to the proactive communication. Hit me with the first one, Tony. Well, okay. So from an outside looking in, Sam, a quick turn on my unit from a customer's point of view I don't understand, nor do I care 
about how many units you have or that it's the height of season, middle of summer, or that it's the height of snowmobile season, middle of winter. I don't care. None of that translates to me. So really, this is an internal working that will make the customer get a quick turn on their unit back. And that I want to start out with, this is the key to the whole thing. And this has been a really powerful drive from the GC side of life in, in 2022. And that is what you measure gets managed or vice versa. You know, what you manage will get measured. It, you can you can interchange that. But we have an issue in all of the industries that we work in that yeah. only some of the best in service are actually measuring certain things that are super important. So let's hit those. That is, and I call this, we've gone all over this already. I call it the Holy Trinity, right? I ask all, all of our 20 clubs, what's the Holy Trinity? And, and always some good Catholic person raises their hand. Well, that's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, that's absolutely true. And then I'll say, what else is the Holy Trinity? And somebody that loves to cook says, oh, well, that's carrots, celery, and onion, or whatever that is, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, true. The Holy Trinity in service is this, hours available. Hours available are actual warm human bodies in your service department that that are available to work. It is not that I have a service technician on salary and he's on vacation and I'm counting hours available. That's not it. It is actual human beings in the service department. That's your hours available. Okay. So, So if I'm a tech and I come to work for eight hours that day, I'm available for eight hours. You may have in me painting the shed out back, but I was available for all of those eight hours. Yes. Okay. So let's stay with the theme of 10, Sam. Okay. Because you and I are dumb and we don't understand round number or anything, but really round numbers. So 10 hours are available because Sam is in the building for 10. (laughs) Now you just put me to work for two more hours today, Tony. I'm not happy about that. I'd rather go to six. Of of course. (laughs) Right. So, so then next we have hours build of the 10 hours that Sam is uh, available physical in the building. I sold, let's say eight of those. Okay, which means two hours right off the get-go. And, and you've heard Sam and I talk about this is, is we, we view service hours. The only thing that you can sell in service are hours. Okay, So we, we call that the ice cream cone. You have a nice ball of ice cream sitting on your cone at the beginning of the morning. And you may as well just go right out and put that cone up to the sun because it is a depreciating asset that goes away and it'll start to melt and drip onto the concrete. So hours build. If, if I have 10 hours for Sam in the building and I only bill eight, I lost two. Take that two, multiply it by your labor rate, and you just found out lost labor. You just found out what that cost you. Sam, you look, I see your, your cackalacker is out. You're, you're crunching numbers. What are you looking at? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just running the math on that as I'm staring at. I don't even know what I'm staring at here. I guess it's a metric composite here. And, and this, because ultimately we're talking hours available, build and work because we're getting to the metrics of efficiency, proficiency and productivity. So Tony's talking about hours available versus hours build. That would obviously be your proficiency inside of your store. So the next category, Tony, is hours worked. Just because I build eight hours in that scenario doesn't mean I worked eight hours. It may have taken me 10 or it may have taken me six, right? Which right there should be all the people listening should go, hmm, hold on. If 10 hours are available and you build eight and it took you eight, okay, well, decent enough job. You're you're a upper above par technician. If it took you six, now you're kicking some ass. If it took you 10... Well, then we have kind of a bit of a problem because an eight-hour job or eight hours should have taken you no more than eight hours. It actually should have taken you less. But without those three metrics, hours available, hours build, and hours worked, Sam, 
you can't get the second set of holy trinities in the service department, which are efficiency, yeah. proficiency, and productivity. Now, we're not going to go crazy, super deep dive into this, but what you can understand when you know those numbers is you can understand the productivity of your of your department. You can understand how quickly your technicians are turning wrenches. You can understand whether you need more people to assist them. There's so many things that you can glean out of those. Well, I think it's also, we're right back to, we have tried to become so efficient that we're missing some of the smaller pieces that may be even able to make us more efficient. So I have to have all those numbers to do an analysis on how effective this department is. And one of the numbers that we tend to miss has to do with the fact that the techs don't necessarily clock in and out of the jobs. And when they don't clock in and out of the jobs, then we got a blank on one of our holy trinities and it skews all of the other numbers underneath it. So Tony, what is the problem with techs clocking in and out of their jobs? Why can't we get this done? So you're going to ask, you're going to ask some people out there, well, and, and, and let's just get this out right off the get-go. Is it a 100% perfect science? It never can be a 100% perfect science because there's so many factors in the service department that come up that they can't clock in and out of jobs. But first off, the, the number one reason I hear from owners or service managers is technology is not there. Like, where do you want? You really want me to take their time card? And when they go to drain the oil on this machine, they go walk over to the time card and they stamp it in and come back and start doing it. And then when they clock out, they stamp it out and then go to a different. Do you really want me to do? No, the technology exists either on their phone or through an existing DMS that you have. Most of you already have the technology to do this. Okay. So that's the first thing, Sam. It's the software. Next is I hear hardware. Oh, so you're telling me that I have to go buy. Listen, today you can go buy a laptop computer for $300 and just go put the, the, the system on there and just have them clocking it out. All I'm asking you is for the sake of measuring and managing in the back. Yes. Have them start clocking in and out of jobs. Yeah. So I, I'm just sitting here. I just ran a quick a quick search on team time tracking applications on software, right? Here's the top 10. And the, you just go through them. Bamboo HR, Big Time, Click Up, Web HR, Easy Workplace, Just Works, ITCS, Web Clock. There's a million things that they could be tracking it on their phone, start, stop on their phone, and it will talk to that one laptop, that one computer that you just talked about, Tony. And we could pull that information in. And, and if you're going to tell me that my tech doesn't have time, to hit start and stop on a stopwatch on an app on his phone, then you're missing how efficient and productive this department could be because you're taking what 30 seconds per job away from that technician by not getting the data that we need to and analyze the department better. So we can do this. It may not be inside of your DMS system currently, but it can be done and it can be brought in through a separate laptop. Most of them have it already. Most of them have it. And, and all you have to do is get your technicians to download the app onto their phone. They're, in short, the software is there yeah. and more than likely the hardware is there. You just are not taking the time to actually go and put it into place so that you can find your efficiency, proficiency, or, and productivity. Or your managers are not mandating that it be done. So why would the technicians do it? Yeah. So, so then that goes to my next thing is they're not mandating it to be done. Or I hear this all the time. Tony, um, I have a long time technician who's when it comes to being a technician this dude this dude is yoda can do all kinds of stuff i will not get them to clock in and out and i say to you well 
figure out a way to make this happen because if they're that good and they're that team driven and they're, and they're a part of the organization, you got to figure out a way that they can do that. Okay. And, and then we're going to understand that their numbers are probably going to be great anyway. But I do want to say one thing really quick for, for the, we, we threw out the productivity, efficiency and proficiency. So yeah. we get, we get productivity from taking the hours work, Sam, and dividing it by hours available. That's why that's yeah. so important. Yeah. We get efficiency by taking hours build and dividing it by hours worked, multiplying it by 100. You're going to get that, okay? That's that's the tech's ability to turn the wrench. So whether I yeah. did eight hours of work in eight hours or eight hours of work in six hours, that mm-hmm. would be the tech's individual efficiency. Yeah, and then we get proficiency by taking hours build and dividing it by hours available. So, So if you guys can start to understand that you will now start managing your service department by calculated metrics versus just feel. I, I have so many owners who are like, oh, dude's amazing. That dude can clock hours and flag rate that. I get it. Let's just find out how amazing they are. That's all I Tony, ask. I, I'm, I'm still stuck on your last comment because okay. if I let's go to the sales department, major unit sales. And I said, I got a sales guy. He's been with me forever. He's just awesome. I'm not going to have him do the traffic log. I, he's just really good. Is that okay? Are we going we to allow that to happen? Uh, no, we, we absolutely should not unless we're being lazy. They're going to use the traffic log. It's just one person playing by a different set of rules. And if you want to put a parameter in there that said, hey, if you sell 20 bikes in a month, you don't have to use a traffic log. I would still disagree with you, but at least there's some there's some quantifiable data that's proving that, you know, here's the behavior if you hit this benchmark. But for just to say, oh, he's really good. He doesn't have to do it. That just makes everybody else mad that they have to do it. Same thing exists with your technicians. Either you're having them clock in and out on jobs or you're not. I don't you, you don't have to judge them on it. You don't have to pay them on it. But either it's a company policy or it's not. Let's talk about pay plans, dude. Hmm. Where do you want to go? <laughs> you want to put everybody on flat rate and call it a day? I would love to, but but listen, I definitely know that we have to carry them through different seasons, or we have a technician that's been working about working with us for thirty five years, and you know they've been on this salary, whatever that is. Let's let's take away the outliers, but really, we should endeavor to pay everybody on flat rate, and really. Your technicians, the great technicians should want to be on flat rate or flag rate, whichever that is, right? So where's the urgency in hourly? Tell me where that is. Well, I think uh, it's really easy to make a blanket statement. I've been guilty of this in the past that everybody should be on a performance pay plan. I really do believe that ultimately they should. But sometimes there's a proving ground, a mentorship that needs to happen with some of the lower level technicians. Then they can graduate to a flat rate plan. And then sometimes, Tony, you have people that just don't want to be on a flat rate plan for whatever. And if their numbers tell me that's cool, as long as they're kicking out their numbers, maybe then I put a trigger in place that says, as long as your efficiency numbers at 80% or better, like you're currently doing, I'm going to let you do it the way you want to do it. So I think sometimes you can have different pay plans inside. But ultimately, we want people on performance-based pay plans. Most of the data, not all of the data, most of the data tells us that people will outperform the numbers and the benchmarks they're given if we hold them accountable, if their pay is held accountable to doing that. Um, the problem is when people aren't held accountable to that, they take their time and they slow down and all your numbers tend to come down from that. So I like performance-based pay plans. It is not 100% the way to go, but I think we should be aiming towards that as an organization. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so the, the next one I want to talk about is proper staffing. And we've heard a ton of positive comments come from some of the initiatives that we have in place, which is, you know, that concierge or that 
expo or, or that in between the service writers and technicians. And quite frankly, we've had some pushback on it too. Um, I, I, I took some pushback on, you know, you want me to hire more staff to do the work of a service writer and serve. So I, I get both ends. All, all I'm saying is in the service department, we have to have ancillary staff. And you and I have been saying this well, since I came into this industry, I learned this from Ed Lemko is that surgeons need nurses. Well, it's funny. I'm sitting there thinking surgeons need nurses. Surgeons need nurses. So last night I made a phone call to a friend of mine. She's a surgeon. <laughs> and I asked her, I said, Sarah, you know, and I told her exactly what, what it is that I was going to be talking about today. She's like, oh, that makes total sense. I said, okay, so tell me how many people you have helping you. You're the surgeon. And I say, and, t- and tell me the expectation of your job. She goes, what do you mean the expectation of my job? She goes, I'm a surgeon. I do that. No, no. Like as a surgeon, what's the expectation and what is it that you're supposed to be doing? She goes, I walk in, I cut, I cut things out or fix things. I, I walk away when it's done. That's it. I don't sew them up. I don't do any of that. Like they just put stuff on me. I said, all right, how many people I want you to count the ancillary people that are touching this patient before you get to them six to one. She wow. says, I have, I have six people working under me for me and the one patient. So you, you're not hearing me say this people, you don't go need, need to go out and hire six people for every technician. But the fact is, is we've always advocated for two people per technician. So if you have five technicians, you should have effectively 10 people around them, service manager, service writers, driver, lot tech, that kind of thing. So think about your, your ratio text to non-text. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, Tony. I think we migrate towards what we know and, uh, you and I know 20 clubs and management academies and stuff like that. And when we talk about text versus non-text, there's the person who's running the room and then there's everybody else that's in the room. Right. And I think a lot of people listening know Eddie, he's been coming to a whole bunch of our meetings. We've had several people come to our meetings as well. Um, But when you're sitting in that meeting room and you're trying to moderate a meeting, you're worried about the moderation, the communication, the participation, the data integrity of the composite, what you're not worried about, unless you're the only moderator in the room, are, is it too hot or too cold in here? Is lunch ready? Uh, who's negotiating and talking to the hotel staff to make sure they got the copies that we need because one client came in with late composite numbers? Where are the missing members? Who's reaching out to them? Right? It's all of those, especially with the Management Academy. We have a rule that anyone who's in the front of the room, when we have multiple trainers in that room, whoever's in the front of the room owns the room. I don't care what your rank is or your position or anything. Whatever that person is doing, everybody else does everything else. And then Uh when that person from the back of the room who was just checking on his lunch ready becomes a presenter, that person's now in charge. And everybody else is doing everything else, no matter what the titles are. So having a support team so that you could put the best possible product in front of the customer, in the case of the dealer, it would be the technician performing the work and giving an amazing experience, needs support staff. And we probably need far more than we need. I think, Tony, maybe some of the resistance we get is that these dealers think they can do the work with the number of people they have and they don't need the extra people. And I would suggest to you the experience with the customer, the callback, the engagement, the time spent is part of the work that a lot of these dealers who run lean and mean aren't considering when they're thinking about just, quote, the work being done. What do you think about that? Uh, I absolutely agree with you. Is And, and this, is, this, is, this perpetuates itself, Right. We're running, we're running okay with what we have, and you may be, and you may be just that efficient, and you you may be uh, that proactive in your communication. 
But what we're truly starting to realize is that if you want that curated experience, if you want an experience in fixed operations, you need to have probably a little more staff than you think you need to have. Or, or I had this conversation with a guy about a week, two weeks ago, or you have to tighten up your process to make sure that you're doing it with what you have. So it could, it could be that you just don't have the right manager or the manager doesn't have the right tools to do what they're doing. Um, and they're not going to be super efficient back there. But so, so what we're saying is if you have the right people, but you just don't have the processes, well, let's put the processes and manage to those processes. But then there's some that man, all I ever do is walk into the service department and it's like a tornado hits me and I don't know what the hell happened now at six o'clock or now it's, it's Saturday night and where'd the week go? If that's you, you may need one or two more people to help you out to make sure that the operation is a curated experience that we're trying to offer. Yeah. We talk about full-time dedicated F&I people in the sales process, right? Why do we do that? Why do we separate those people out? Well, because Mm -hmm. number one, to maximize, specialize, right? So we have somebody who's just doing the F&I. And number two, it's another headcount. So I have another set of hands on deck, which calms things down in there. You hire new salespeople and it calms things down in there. And we end up selling more bikes, having a better experience. that certainly can work into the service department if your numbers dictate that that needs to happen. So yeah, better process. And then we can talk about, do we need to throw more bodies at that better process? All right, gang. Well, there you have it. So there is our two-part series on what service customers desire most. And let me just run through that really quick. They want a great greet. They want to feel like they're part of something like you care about them. Number two, they want proactive communication from their service department coming back to them in the form that they want. And number three is they want a quick turn on their unit. And how we achieve that is by measuring and managing back there. So we hope that helps, gang. Hope you're having a great summer of selling. For Sam Dantzler, I'm Tony Gonzalez. This has been GarageCast. Have a fantastic Tuesday. Thanks, everyone.